Welcome, friend, to the trifecta of joy. What is the trifecta? Awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibe. This podcast is about you, your life, your adventure, and how to live it juicy. Our podcast is brought to you by Perfectly Imperfect Life Coaching. Download your free joy guide at www.freejoybook.com. A gift from us to you. Again, www.freejoybook.com. I'm your host, Tanya Gill. But really, we're in this together. Connected, sharing, and adventuring through life. So let's do it with joy. I think one of the things that I sort of discovered in my own men's work journey yeah. was there were a couple of guys called uh, Moore and Gillette who articulated the mature masculine archetypes. And and anybody's kind of had some exposure to men's workspaces. It's all familiar with them. The four archetypes are king, warrior, magician, and lover. And I have to say that as a man who also did a lot of gender studies, initially when I heard these, I I kind of reacted to them myself because they seemed like it was a an extension of a kind of dominant masculinity or maybe even misogyny and implying that men were supposed to be leaders or you know, mm-hmm. warriors or things like that. But as I've grown and as I've learned to look at this, we can think of the archetype of the king, for example, as about leadership in general. Mm-hmm. And what's a good king? A good king is a benevolent king. A good king cares about all the people in his kingdom. What does Simon Sinek say? Good leaders leaders eat last. Yeah, leaders eat last. Yeah, a good leaders eat last. Um, And it's really the... The the, king is the leader. The king is the leader, but it's not just about being a, a leader in many ways is not leading by themselves. They're leading in conjunction with everybody else. So if we were to apply that archetype to a family... Mm-hmm. a man and a family that doesn't mean that the king or the head of the household as they might like to right, say, yeah. is in charge or is right. telling people what to do or is trying to control their their wife and their kids or anything else it's that they care about lifting everybody up in in their kingdom i guess which or is basically their orbit their orbit or and the same right. thing could be in the workplace or anything else right and within their orbit yeah right it, it can be the and so and person so, you're standing behind when you're returning your bottles for recycling what people uh, refer to as toxic masculinity is really what they're reacting to is the oppressive and controlling king and and i think sometimes people misread this idea of leadership as being I'm supposed to be in charge and everybody has to listen to me. But good leader is actually working with everybody and is getting everybody's input or whatever. And everybody and, matters. And everybody matters. And in a relationship, that means you're co-leaders. Right. It's a benevolent co-dictatorship. And the kids are small. And as they get bigger, you basically are... It is a benevolent co-dictatorship. And, and as they get bigger, Fuck. you start including them more in the discussion of right. how you're going to lead things so in the family. And, in the all the time, and so all the time that I was a single parent, it was just a dictatorship. Yes. <laughs> um, Thanks, Dave. So, 
So like the immature, the immature king is is somebody who is a tyrant. Right. You know, they're trying to control things. Or or they're on the other side, the weakling, which initially you might react to because it's sort of saying saying you're not strong enough, yada yada yada. But as a leader, you also have to have some backbone. You have to stand up for what matters as well. Right. The other archetypes, warrior. I think that a lot of people immediately associate war with the idea of going to war, uh, fighting in that way. Mm-hmm. And again, a warrior that is mature warrior mm-hmm. is one who is approaching that almost with love in many ways because mm-hmm. they are maybe defending protective protective they're being protective of their family of their country or whatever but they're not abusing that power they they are they are doing using force when it's necessary mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the line from the karate kid where daniel asks asked mr miyagi uh, about are you going to teach me how to fight? And he says, that way you think you're te- I'm teaching you. And he said, and, and Daniel says, well, I'm learning karate so I don't have to fight. He said, now you're getting it. So being strong as a warrior is not about abusing your power. It's about being strong enough that you, you don't have, have to, to do those it. things. And that's why I loved Taekwondo and the, when the boys were in Taekwondo. Yeah, and I think that anybody who's done martial arts knows it's it's about discipline, it's about respect, it's about uh, recognizing the power of what you're being taught and restraining that power is is valued. The immature archetypes of that would be like the grandstander bully, you know? Um, and the... And in many ways, sometimes we see in the media the warrior being the grandstander bully or the one who is the, it's kind of like the hero too, is also sometimes mis, mislabeled because the hero sometimes is focused on their own right. own glory as opposed to looking, and looking so, after everybody. Right. So I'm just going to say though that that's why the Will Smith slap thing was so confusing to people because I think some people saw what he did as being mature masculine. Some people saw it as being immature masculine and some people thought he was being a mature warrior and some people thought he was being an immature warrior. Well, my take on it would be that he reacted in anger in a moment from an emotional response and in potentially response, protective of Jada, potentially protective of Jada, but also potentially feeling like his family had been shamed in some way, or that his wife had been offended, um, and that the slap came from a place of trauma. I mean, and I know enough about Will Smith's background to know that he also had abusive father, and and you know, I think. There are messages given to men that they're supposed to be violent to protect their family. Uh, and they shouldn't let anybody walk over them and all these sort of things. But sometimes the more mature thing would have been to show restraint. And address it later. And address you it, want to, you know, it in a different way. Form. 
because because in many ways what he did by doing that is you know maybe Chris Rock's joke might have been viewed as inappropriate by many people but uh in that moment when he hit Chris Rock he immediately crossed the line and made him the mm -hmm. the, the problem and not Chris Rock mm -hmm. um but again like I'm not excusing it but you just kind of wonder like was he even present in his body when that happened? Like, was he in such a trauma response that it was like, because that happens. I think it was a trauma response. I don't think he was truly present. I, I think, think he so reacted, reacted to the moment. But it, that was an example, was not an example of mature warrior. No. That was that was more of a reaction. And, uh, you know, and then the other archetypes that we talk about, the lover. And the joker. And, uh, and the magician. Oh, and the magician. Sorry, not the joker, the magician. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and, I love you. And, <laughs> and the lover in this case is not necessarily about sex, although that might be part of what it is. It's really, it's about, as the mature masculine, it's about loving everything. Mm -hmm. It's loving the world. It's loving expressing love to your family your friends your community mm -hmm. it's it's recognizing the beauty in everything mm -hmm. um which is what meta man yeah right? in many ways it's it's what i'm trying to get out with meta man and i'll talk about that archetype in, in a minute but um i think that the the immature form of that is the addicted lover which i think the person who's having serial affairs, the person who is compulsively uh, pursuing sex or porn or those other things to try and feel whole. Mm -hmm. um, basically, they're in the realm of the hungry ghosts. They're trying to fill a hole somehow. Right. That's that's more of an immature uh, lover. Lover. Um, and so. Yeah. Or what about, okay, so what about men who don't have sex? Like, you know, I've had some clients who said, like, we just haven't had sex for a really, really long time. And I really want sex and I really need sex. So there's the other side of, like, men who don't want to have sex. Is that, do you think that's in the immature lover? There's, like, that could be complex. I don't know if it's necessarily... Well, I think it's it's considered an immature form. It's called the impotence form. But I think that the thing that is leading to that could be multifactorial. Mm -hmm. It could be actual physical impotence. Mm -hmm. It could be that they have focused on porn too much and it's affected their attraction profile and maybe affected their ability to be aroused because that's happening for a lot of men who are using porn on a regular basis. It could be that they're feeling less than in some other way. Maybe they are not feeling successful in life. Maybe they've gained a lot of weight. Maybe they're, um, yeah, maybe they, they feel inadequate in some way. And that is affecting their sense of confidence in pursuing sexuality. Um, and you know, I think there's there's there might have been all kinds of different things at play. I think it's going to be different for each person, but I think 
it would be important in each relationship for people to explore like what's going on for them. It is possible that there are certainly some people who have less sexual desire or less less um, libido. libido than others. And another thing to keep in mind could be a biological thing as well, although most impotence and issues related to that are more psychological. But we also know that men's testosterone drops with each year that goes by. And we also know that in society right now, there are a lot of forever chemicals around which are also impacting testosterone levels in a lot of men. Well, and medications, right? And so, medications. You know, like there, we know we're in a mental health crisis. There is no harm in having medication to help balance you out if you need it. And, you know, there are lots of men who are on medication for depression and anxiety, and that also impacts it. Absolutely. Um, the men who are on antidepressants, that could be affecting sexual desire for sure. It certainly can affect their enjoyment of sex. Right. And that can be very frustrating for them as well, because it could lead to more impotence issues. It could lead to delayed ejaculation. It could lead to all kinds of... And this is all stuff you talk about in your men's health class, right? Yeah, That's absolutely. so cool. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah and because basically what what happens with an antidepressant, this is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is what most of the ones people are on, is it, it increases serotonin levels, but it also causes a drop in dopamine. Right. And dopamine is also the pleasure chemical. Right. And so this is why a lot of men don't want to go on antidepressants as well, is because it kind of flattens them out and it deadens things a little bit for them. And that may also be a contributing factor. The other thing is, is that if men are uh, using alcohol or cannabis, cannabis or other other substances in order to self-medicate, then that may also be affecting their sex drive. Right. Um, and yeah, so there could be a whole lot of different things that lead at to play, that, right. at play. See, um, and this is good stuff, like, I think that people need to recognize that this is like, this is real world. This is the experience of, of men. And, you know, like just being able to talk about it is so important. Okay. So we're talking about the archetypes. Yeah. So the last one is the magician, which seems a bit more uh, obscure and a bit Dungeons and Dragons, but, but the magician really is the idea of being able to create it's about the creation of things, the ability to influence things like that. Um, and so someone who has mastery in their particular career or somebody who's a really amazing woodworker who can build a fence or fix a car or or cook really well. It's there's a certain like method. Grandma Case Buns. Yeah. Like she's totally a magician. Grandma yeah. Case Buns. So there's a certain magic to that, mm -hmm. being able to sort of do that transformation, to do that, um, be that creative force. Um, but, you know, sometimes people use that for, for bad, they'll use it right. to control. You know, and and I've heard uh, one like in Harry Potter. Yeah, and so if they're using using their skills or their knowledge to control or put down or those kind of things, that's an immature form of of, of the magician. And and so across all these archetypes, 
if we approach it with the idea of being uh, benevolence and loving mm -hmm. and with the idea of supporting all people and not just being selfish, then you're going to get into the mature space. And and sometimes that's hard for men to do because they need a space to do it. They need a space to do it, but they also are really... I, I don't think I'm actually overstating when I say men are actually terrified to open the cold room door, oh, as in fun. your case. Okay, so that's so funny because you say terrified, and I was the word that was in my head was cautious. Men are cautious, but it's oh no, they, they are terrified because right. if they open that door and they start letting the emotion out, they are terrified that they can't control it and they're going to look really weak in the eyes of other people. And and yet, and and so they need people around them that tell them it's okay. I'm here. I've got you. It's okay to do this. And this is where men's work actually can be really effective. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a really great documentary called The Work, which is about a men's work group that works in uh, Folsom Prison in in California. And in that, there's a, a scene where this guy comes to the group and he's a prisoner and he's in there for murder and all kinds of things. But his his sister has died and he hasn't been able to grieve for her. And he tells them, I, I need to be able to grieve for her, but I can't, I'm scared to let it come to the surface. I'm scared, I'm scared to to do that. And these men basically in the group surround him they support him one guy says i've got you i'm here they literally they hold literally him. hold him and they work with him somatically they work them somatically and they say loosen your jaw let the emotion come you know breathe breathe yeah breathe and, like, and let your let your you know don't clench your fist held. just and they get him to release it's and they so support powerful. him. It's amazingly powerful. And, and men don't really have that space very often. So that's why sometimes men's work and some of these things can be so powerful. And the other part is the somatic element of that, where they're actually identifying the emotions in their body. That's really important because men are very divorced from their body. They're taught to deny the emotion they're taught to deny what's going on they're told to stay in their head and, well, and so that that's what's happening well and the thing too that i think is so cool is that you do reiki you do energy work so that sometimes men don't even have to talk about their emotion in order to start moving it they yeah. can literally lay down on your table and you don't even fucking touch them and you start moving some of that emotion and help with some of that energy work yeah. Like some people call it hokey and well, like whatever, because I know what a difference it makes. Like, I love it when you do Reiki on my neck and back, throat and heart. Well, and I think and that if you'd asked me <laughs> years ago, I would have told you it was, it was hokey too, but, but what I, I love what I've learned, um, learned also through learning about trauma work is that trauma energy gets trapped, trapped in your in body. body. And so energy work like Reiki or other forms of energy work or acupuncture or, or motion coding or whatever form it is um, can help shift that energy. And 
when people do trauma therapies like EMDR and brain spotting and things like that, that's also moving that, that trapped energy. Somatic work, getting in touch with that is really important for men, but they need to have a safe environment in which to do it. Yeah. Now, in MetaMen, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to articulate um, what I would call an overarching um, archetype, which is uh, what I would call being a meta man or meta masculinity. And this is meta, M E T T A, which is a poly word, which basically means benevolence and loving kindness. As I did meditation and, and learned about Buddhism and some of these things. I learned about meta practice and meta practice is basically where you first say, send love to yourself right. and say, may I be healthy? May I be happy? May I be at peace? Then you send love, loving energy to people around you that are close to you. Like, may my family be happy? May they be healthy? May they be at peace? And then you would gradually extend that out even to your enemies or people that you don't get along with. And then eventually to the whole world. It's about love. And so being a meta man, in my mind, is operating from a place of love and benevolence. Okay, let's talk and, about and, benevolence. And, and so define benevolence. Benevolence is about doing things that operating from a place that actually helps helps other people and those around you. I mean, we hear people talk about benevolence when they're donating donating things to charities. Yeah, but philanthropists are considered yeah, very benevolent often. But, but benevolence is 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 really just about su- supporting others. Mm-hmm. But it's also about with meta practice, it's also about supporting yourself. Because if you don't support yourself, mm-hmm. you can't pour from an empty cup and oh, really yeah this is nothing like no i know I, I know but it's so true right like i am the women's version of self-love yeah and that impact and legacy so yeah so if they're operating from a, a place of meta right then they're operating from a place of benevolence and loving kindness to themselves to others and if they are operating as a meta meta man or a meta person then they will inevitably lean towards the mature forms of all the other archetypes of ways of being in the world. And but, and and I think that what's beautiful about it is not that meta or any of these archetypes is prescriptive. It's not saying these are the things you have to do to, to be, be masculine. masculine or to be a, a good man. But what it does is that it establishes a a lens of an ethical lens in which to to exist exist and look at your own intuition does this feel like i'm being authentic. Or loving? am i being authentic am i am i is the decision i'm making here about control or is it about what's best for everybody right um and and yes, it's going to take reflection, and it's not going to change overnight. But it's it's a process, and it's about legacy. And it's a practice, right? And it's about legacy because we have a mental health crisis. And if if men, because and I say this with women too, if people don't step up and recognize and 
be able to give voice to their trauma so that they can heal it, then we end up role modeling being really tremendously unhealthy. And we don't want to role model that to our kids. So we've got to deal with our shit. Absolutely. And I I think more than anything, there is a bit of a back leadership vacuum amongst men in this form. Yeah. Um, and this is part of the reason why men are struggling so much in mental health and why there's a lot of issues related to all of this and consequences of men's mental health in society. And a lot of people don't want to talk about men's mental health because they feel like there's this kickback to patriarchy, but that's not what this is. Well, it isn't because it's patriarchy has created this problem. Right. And and so being a man is not inherently bad. There, being a mature man occupying that space is not bad. And really... The way I like to think about it is the qualities that we've assigned to men and women are really the qualities that all people need, both the male and the female. In many ways, in order to be that loving, benevolent person, you have to embrace them both. the full spectrum of, of ways of being, right? You need to embrace not only the strength, but you also need to embrace the vulnerability, the softness, you know, the, softness the creativity, the itty bitty, the, the, the fragility. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, you have to, because what the problem has been is that society has tried to force women into just one half of the qualities and men into one half of the qualities. But in reality, we may lean one side or the other, but we need all the qualities. Mm -hmm. And so being a meta man or being a, a mature man also means being in touch with those qualities that are assigned to the feminine as well. Because if you're a mature man, then you should also be in touch with the whole. In touch with the whole. You should be able to, to be a good father. You have to be caring. To be a good leader, you have to be empathetic. <laughs> to, to be somebody who plans something and leads something, you can't really plan or lead anything unless you've got creativity. And if, if you're not being emotionally intelligent in the process of that. So it's so when I'm talking about the masculine, it's it's really recognizing this space in society that we've assigned to the man, but recognizing that man needs to be in touch with the feminine, just like the, the women also need to be in touch with the masculine. And I think what unfortunately has happened sometimes for women in society is that because of patriarchy and because of oppression, They've kind of internalized that oppression and they tend to identify power and success with those toxic qualities of, of masculinity, like dominance, like control, you know, and demanding respect, things like that, which, yeah, which you totally understand why they do it because they're trying to work in worlds that have been created by these patriarchal structures, but it's also perpetuating toxicity. So when I'm talking about the meta-masculine, I'm also talking about women also need to attend to those masculine qualities from a point of view of meta, just like they need to attend to the feminine qualities from the point of view of meta. Right. It's so it's so yeah. So this idea of the, so and what's so interesting is is we have to be able to identify the masculine to identify that the masculine and feminine make a whole it's the yin and yang right like that's how it works but also that that the point is is that 
men have traditionally been socialized and sometimes continue to be socialized differently. And so the effect on that is ultimately becomes on their mental health and their well-being. And and the spillover effect on the mental health and well-being of those around them. Right, including their spouses, their children, their families, their communities, their workplaces. Yeah, and I think that both men and women are experiencing trauma that's often not resolved, and that's why doing work on these things, and that's why communicating really well and working in partnership to support one another through those processes Mm -hmm. and growing together is necessary for a strong relationship. And that's where coaching can be really powerful. And yeah, and to be a strong parent as well, because the legacy is really important because, because if men can get in touch with these aspects, they will then role model that to other boys in their right. life, other other men, and they will help shift the, the practice. It's the, like I talk about spreading light. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's very much about legacy. It's about changing the future. And, and legacy I really... does not have to mean having your own biological or having your own children and family. Legacy is how you live your existence and the way that we can impact others in the way that we show up and help them feel seen and feel seen ourselves. Like, I love how Dr. Carrington talks about that. But it's like the legacy is how we we can affect change in a positive way. Well, and I think even, even in a bigger area than that, I think I think that men collectively are kind of lost in society today. And I think actually orienting ourselves around a particular goal, mm-hmm. giving purpose, can actually help a lot of men shift out of a place of feeling lost. Um, and because their purpose in life can extend beyond just what they do for work. Okay, so let's talk about purpose because I I know you talked about this in the last podcast, but the research hey guys, is it called hey guys? No. No, it's um heads up guys. Heads up guys. So heads up guys did some re- did a pretty significant research. Well, the, their website is focused on men who have depression and suicidal ideation and people who are supporting them and it's done through ubc ubc yeah it's a group through ubc um it's a canadian website um and they collected data from i think believe over seventy thousand people who had accessed their website and what they found was that 60 percent of the respondents. respondents said that which was the biggest group said purpose was the biggest challenge they had in their life lack of purpose lack of purpose was number one okay what was number two loneliness loneliness yeah so there's another reason why men's groups really do need to exist because men are feeling lonely yeah and i I think it's not just men's groups although that's certainly one path right i think it's also about creating space where men can talk and really connect on a deeper level right because because a lot of those guys probably are on soccer teams and you know maybe do the beer and wings and hockey together or whatever that is but that doesn't mean that loneliness doesn't still exist well and i think 
a lot of people can identify with the idea of being lonely in the middle of a crowd. Mm-hmm. And if you're not seen, if if you're not being authentic, you're actually lonely from yourself. Mm-hmm. And you also feel lonely because people are not seeing who you are. Right. And and so loneliness is a significant issue for men and it's definitely contributing to mental health issues and certainly I think also contributes to the fact that three out of four completed suicides in Canada are men. Are men. Um, number three in the list was um, relationship challenges, which probably no surprise to you. <laughs> um, and in terms of the work you do, yeah. um, and and money was another factor. And I think what we have to also keep in mind is that money is a stressor for everybody, but for men. It's also very tied to the idea of the breadwinner and masculine provider provider expectations. And that sometimes when they don't have enough money, they feel that they have failed as a man. And so that's, that's another big player. So I think that men are really kind of confused collectively about what it means to be uh, a good or an effective man or or anything in this day and age are unsure about it there's not really the same conversation happening for men that there has been within the realm of women related to the multiple waves of feminism and the fact that women talk about these things a lot more right um and and so i think that that's part of what's contributing to purpose issues i think the other issue which i think i talked about in the last podcast, podcast. as well is the issue that men tie a lot of the purpose to their career because that again is about the breadwinner idea employment uh is also very tied into men's sense of of what they're supposed to do yeah. in society and so when they lose a job or if they're not doing very well in terms of earnings or when they retire these things all impact their sense of purpose the other thing is a men's social networks are often very tied to their place of employment and so when well, it a, becomes a whole other so issue when people retire when they retire but also if they lose, lose a job, their job or there's a layoff or anything else that they they don't always have deep deep social networks um and so this is why we we see sort of men being hit in multiple ways after a job loss in terms of their emotional health um, because they're not only hit from the point of view that they don't feel that they are doing their job as men providing or providing um they're sad about the loss of the job is affecting they may be losing their emotional not sorry emotional support but their their wider social network they're, they're losing their sense of purpose, purpose because maybe that was the only thing they focused on as their purpose um, increased loneliness increased loneliness yeah despair lots of different things come into play and they're and they're socialized not to show those feelings yeah so they bottle that shit up or they turn to dissociation, dissociation. yeah addictions things to strengthen them right um and because they don't let the emotion out, it builds up and it spills over in, in anger and irritability and other things as well. What do you say to women 
who recognize some of these traits in their partners. Because here's the thing, like, yes, I may have several clients who are different points in relationship dissolution. What do you say to those people who are listening or watching who are these women who are seeing what some of what you're describing in their partners and their husbands and their in their mates in the men in their lives that may or may not even be their partners it may be their siblings or it may be you know their like what what do you say to those women it's it's challenging to give universal advice because i think everybody and I know it's a very academic answer, but I'm going to do my Oh, it's totally answer. true. But no. I but I think that um, I would start off by sort of reassuring that man that you love and care about them. And the reason you're talking to them about it is because you do care about them. I would encourage people not to use any kind of shaming language. Like if you're, if you're saying like, you're crappy at emotions, sharing your emotions or your, your. And name calling is name not calling a good thing. Is not going to really help at work. But the, I think like saying, I'm concerned about that you like to see you're having a hard time. And I think encouraging them to, to consider things like therapy, joining a men's group, talking to their friends as well. If, if they do have close friends that they can talk to. And I think that one of the things which um, a lot of men don't realize because they haven't had that with friends is that that having the space to talk about things that are going on and process outside of your immediate relationship is, is good because it means that you can think through things before you say something stupid. Right. Which is why, like, for example, if a man is on your table and they're receiving Reiki, they may also want to process some of that, those things that are going on for them. And it's a safe place for them to talk to if they choose. Absolutely. Or, or in a men's group or in men's coaching or any of those kind of contexts. And I think, I think the key thing is for men to reach out to an area that they they feel safe and supported and if they don't have that area to look for groups like this mm -hmm. or people like me mm -hmm. or in my area you can sort of reach out to me as well but um but look for people who are going to be a safe place who are going to listen who are not going to shame mm -hmm. who uh that there is help out there that you're not alone and one thing and I, it doesn't make you a pussy no in fact or a baby in fact or weak in fact i would say that being willing to be vulnerable and address your shit is far more strong than not it, it takes courage um and it's so true. And so, so it takes incredible courage to face your shit. It does. And what I can say is that by doing it, even if you can't save the existing relationship that you're in, you will change for the better yourself. And if you go into future relationships, you'll be in a better place. Yes. Um, and you definitely will do okay. You'll do better than if you hadn't done it. And so I think that 
finding that kind of brotherhood and support, finding those supports in any shape or form is, is good. Um, and what I would say is, is like someone to say, well, I'll just go fishing or I'll do something else. You know, I'll distract myself and feel better when I do that when I'm off by myself. And yeah, it might feel good and you do things for yourself, but it ultimately isn't going to move that emotion. It's not going to move those things until you address it and actually engage in it. I, I think the tough part is once you get to a point where a marriage or a relationship is getting to the point of dissolution, is there's already a lot of water under the bridge and a lot of hurt. And the people are probably already feeling a lot of judgment. And so there could be other other things coming into play with each of those gestures. Mm -hmm. um, but I think even better thing is to do, you know, the upstream work where you actually do some preventative work and you engage in this long before there are problems. Totally. Um, and so even if somebody is not having a lot of problems right now, I think engaging this work, you'll probably find some things that you didn't realize. And I would also say that we can also do a lot of upfront upstream work with the boys in our lives and trying to create the space for that and encouraging them to do it. Allow them to have their feelings, allow them to have safe space to have those feelings. And let them cry. I did a podcast on the importance and value of crying. Yes. Like, I mean, even a good sob is a release of energy. Absolutely. And and sometimes um, exercise is another way to move energy. Although, which is why sometimes some of the people that are like, and, and this is just something that I've seen, is that some of the people that are really intense, like really intense gym rats, sometimes are that. Not all of them, but sometimes some of them are really intense because that's their way of association well and there is a there is so a process of dissociation know. piece there and so some people do dissociate and they get really intense mm -hmm. and i would say actually one of the dissociations with men sometimes can be um obsessive hobbies Mm -hmm. right anything that is distracting them mm -hmm. and so if they're work all they do is work out that could be dissociation but i i do think that there is if you're going to dissociate probably working out is probably a better one than some of the others totally. because it will move some energy and i think that people who are runners people who who go for a bike ride or go for a hike or those kind of things often find that helps their mental health because they are moving some of that energy. Oh, totally. So I'm not saying that when you work out, you're dissociating all the time. I'm just saying yeah. that there's a line that gets, yeah. that creates that, but that there is, and you and I, we go for a walk every morning. Yeah. Um, we walk for approximately 26 minutes <laughs> says my Apple watch. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, 1.72 kilometers so maybe we walk slow maybe we walk fast but it's in the coolies and there's the hills from hell mm -hmm. um and 138 stairs but it's moving energy it is and that's really healthy yeah so going for a walk with your partner can also be a good thing yeah and i i do know that some men also are find having an animal like a dog or something like that that gets them out but the dog also provides 
they, they don't give you any feedback per se, but they are providing support and they are somebody you can talk to. You never really got to talk about anything else. And so there are men who I think also benefit a lot from, from animals in their life. Yeah, there, there are men who definitely talked about the benefit of, of walking your dog for your mental health or getting together with groups of other men that are walking their dogs. And that creates an opportunity to to make connections as well with other people. And sometimes we, like, I mean, when we go to the dog park, we see a lot of similar faces. Sometimes we socialize with them more and sometimes we don't have time. But there, there is kind of a sense of community around some of that. It's a superficial community, right, at this mm. point. But it, there's, a, there's that being seen. There's that connection that happens in that. Yeah, but there's lots of different opportunities that can, could happen. And groups could be formed, particularly around certain activities. Um, we know that, for example, the men's sheds model, which has been used, started in Australia and used to other areas, so men get together over different kinds of activities. Traditionally, it was around woodworking and, and things like that. But some of the modern men's sheds, they get together over all kinds of activities. And sometimes it's not just older men, it's men of different generations. and older men can serve as mentors for younger men and, and some of those things as well. So the men's shed movement is another example of uh, people creating real connections. But um, then how can you say that the men's shed creates real connections, but the soccer team doesn't? Well, I think that the difference is, is there a soccer team could, if the soccer team chose to put some purposeful Which really is where that. it comes down to the leadership piece. Yeah, it comes down to the leadership. And so with men's sheds, yeah, the men, when they first go there, they're often just doing woodwork next to one another and getting to know each other's name. But then they'll also have different activities where they engage men in deeper conversation. And the men who've done a little more work and they're more open role model that and they start leaders. bringing other people out. And it, it's, it, and so there is a, there's a purposefulness in the way in which they, they engage their programming. Um, so, okay, so then that's Priya Parker, because Priya Parker and the art of gathering okay. is all about when you gather it, like there needs, there should be a purpose to it. And it, there should, there should be an intention to it. I hate using should, but ideally, and for there to be optimal function, I guess, mm -hmm. there should be purpose. And so the men's shed has purpose, and the purpose is to yeah, well, gather and connect on a deeper level. I think the soccer team would say they have a purpose and they're getting together to play soccer. But I think that the purpose in the, in the context of something like men's sheds. Um, but that's the point I made. Or men's group or whatever, so that there's an emphasis on going a little bit beyond the surface. And, and I think that there could be. I mean, ideally, it'd be wonderful if in the long run, sports organizations started working some of this stuff into in. their, into their programming, you know, and then for we, men and women, and not then, just for yeah, men, for men and women. Um, and then we might actually see, not be seeing some of the scandals they're seeing in some of the sports uh, spheres around men behaving badly and bullying and and uh, engaging in sexual violence and things like that. But I think it's about 
we, as a society, we need to have the conversations. We need to start making shifts in lots of different spheres, right from socializing our kids to encouraging um, men to be more vulnerable and normalizing that and normalizing men's emotion. Yeah, and just having some really good, honest conversations. It's not going to change overnight, but but if but if you don't try, nothing will change. Right, and it's like planting the tree. Yeah. It really is. You don't plant the tree for this generation. You plant it for the future generations. But you know what? Along the way, that tree fucking grows, right? And in our own time, we bloom, right? Like I'm always talking about that, right? The peony. Mm-hmm. And in our own time, we bloom. But it's still like there is legacy. Well, and I think, you know, perhaps the thing on which to leave this on is it's never too late. Never. So even if, even because... if, even if you've been very dissociated as a father or as a man, you can change how you act tomorrow. And it could change how things are going to go from that point forward. You can heal a relationship with your your kids, with your family. There's always value in exploring yourself and working on yourself. And I think that's the other thing is that ultimately we're each responsible for ourselves. ourselves. And, And so... Ultimately, it's about encouraging that man to be resp- to take responsibility for himself in a way that's supportive, not shaming or blaming, but also re- owning our own stuff, whatever it is. Uh, because I think when there's a couple, you each have to do your own work, but then you also have to work together because you have to have those conversations and you have to be honest and you have to work through those those things because we're ultimately a lot of times reacting off the programming that we've we got have. absolutely right? and our own traumas and, and, and we it's have not necessarily talked about that in our relationship yeah. and our own reactions off of our own yeah. shit and so so if we never address it then we won't change it and but we also have to be willing to forgive when sometimes some of those things do happen because it's not necessarily it's fucking perfect yeah it's not necessarily easy to shift your way of being right away um but But the more awareness you bring to it yeah the more you're able to be friend or inner critic and the more you are focused on raising your vibration yeah really the more joyful your life is absolutely that's called the trifecta of joy by the way really it is. I know. You never, never heard, heard of it. Never huh? heard of it. <laughs> never? <laughs> never, never. Never read it. Never heard of it. Oh, Who's that? It. I've read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a good conversation. It's a good conversation. Okay, so at the end of my podcasts, I always ask my guests if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, if they want to get in touch with me, probably the best way would be to reach out to my website at uh, metaman.com. That's M-E-T-T-A, man.com. I am also... Man, not men. M-E-T-T-A-M-A-N dot C-O-M. Dot C-O-M. And um, you'll be able to find a little bit more about some of the things that I, I talk about in my work. Um I am also on Facebook and Twitter and and uh, 
you're starting yeah you're starting, you, you, starting a youtube channel which is i think going to just explode because um, and people need to hear this stuff and some of those things but um but yeah probably the easiest is just metaman.com metaman.com and i am so grateful to be able to share peter with you he is a fountain of knowledge he is the magician because he really is a master in in knowledge and healing and um and he understands complexities in so many different ways and that's what I love is because when we have these conversations um sometimes they just roll and we talk about this stuff and I just want to say thank you honey thank you for thank you for agreeing when we were out there getting ready to go to bed Mm -hmm. to come in here it is is it past my bedtime yet oh it is bedtime it's 8 59 um to come in here and sit in front of of the camera and record this and move the couch and share this stuff because again like I see myself and I know you feel the same way I see myself as in service and when we're having these conversations, I'm like, fuck, people need to hear this. People need to hear this. They need to consider this stuff. And I don't know where they're going to get it. So I'm like, can, can we please, please give this to our audience? And you were like, do I look okay? And I'm like, babe, you always look great. And I love you. So thank you. Thank you. From my heart to yours, friends, thank you for listening. And if you have a man in your life um, and this has landed on your heart because you recognize some of these elements in your life, um, just come from a place of grace, come from a place of love. And remember, we are all on a journey. None of us has done this before this time around um and it's a learning and growing process from my heart to yours thank you for watching listening and i love you Mwah. thank you for listening my friend we are deeply grateful you chose to be here i trust that this has invited you even if in some small way to deepen your awareness, befriend your inner critic, and raise your vibration. Please follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. If you have any ideas or feedback, please reach out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are loved.